podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Jones! Bowden! He's got it! England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins! Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four and England have won the match! Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. Three days now have gone of the Rulpindi Test Match, the first Test Match between Pakistan and England. And ten wickets fell in the first two days. Now seven have fallen on the third. So, Simon Mann, you were saying only the other day that although the pitch is a, a batsman's paradise, it only takes 20 or 30 balls or well, I suppose in the case of a, of a match which goes right to the end, 40 balls to take all the wickets and get a result. So just a hint of the way England played, the way England handled that last session, that there could be a positive result. Yeah, it's it's come back into view again. I, th- I still think the draw is favourite and probably quite a big favourite because on that surface you might you'd back Pakistan to bat out the last day, most of the last day, whatever England uh, set them. I mean, very much depends on how many Pakistan get in the morning, how much they can extend their first innings by. But England have got an opportunity now. The lead is still 158. Pakistan have three wickets remaining. Their, their tail is quite thin in this game. Nassim Shah coming in at, at number eight. I mean, England would be, you know, relishing that. Uh, seeing, you know, seeing him come in, he, he frittered his wicket away before the close of play. Excellent catch from Jack Leach. It really was a really fine catch. England just stuck at it. They tried everything. They stayed patient. Remember Duncan Fletcher on the world's best cricket club and he... he he gave us his time. What do you need in Pakistan? The first word he used was patience. And England been out there for 136 overs. But there's a, there is an opportunity. You can see how the game could pan out uh, from here. An extra 15 minutes at the start of the play on the fourth day as well, starting at 9.45 local time. So there, there is still time. You're battling a little bit against the pitch and time. But there is an opening now for England. Mm. I like the way England approached it today. I must say, I I think that it's very tempting. This is a bowler's graveyard, really. And it's very tempting as a bowler to sort of try and avoid the captain and and not really want to get involved and and, and kind of do your your bit, kind of almost go through the motions, really, but, but hide away and hope the spinners can sort of winkle them out somehow. But actually, I thought England, personified by Anderson who is remarkable in his appetite for, for punishment, really, and, and trying to find some rewards from a thankless surface or a, a completely benign surface. The, the, the credit that England, I think, should deserve is, is just trying things, you know, imaginative field settings, moving the uh, men just this way and that, and having, at times, almost sort of village or even schoolboy-type fields, but just trying to make the batsman do something and just trying to seeking small gains, which in conditions like this, actually a small gain can be quite a, a big piece of satisfaction. And I, I just thought England really went for it in the most purposeful, positive way. They tried to, to see the fun in a, a pretty grim uh, overall scenario. And in the end, they got their rewards. Yes, it's really weird, isn't it? You, you get to the end of the day's play and the score is basically 500 for seven and you think you've had a really good day. And, 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 that, and that's because the pitch is a hard taskmaster and Pakistan have got some quality players in that 
top order. And it, of course, England managed to get 650 runs on the board. But you, you normally say 507. Well, that's, yeah, that's, a, that's not a great day, is it? But when you think they were 181 for no wicket at the start of the day's play, when you consider Pakistan put on 225 for the first wicket, you know, on this surface, you... you you, you accept 500 for seven, I think. But, you know, because you've got two days left, because you've got a big lead, because you can hopefully, not, you know, from England's perspective, knock out the tail. And then, clearly, England are going to go for it, aren't they? Joe Root spoke to me afterwards. He said, yeah, we're going to go for it. We're gonna, you know, this is the way this team plays. We'll try and pile up a, a, a decent total and then have a go at Pakistan on the final day. I mean, whether they can have a go at Pakistan before the final day, I suppose it depends you know, how many they can take those last wickets for in the morning. Uh, it's still not easy to winkle people out. If you don't want to get out, it's not easy to get players out. I mean, most of the wickets in this match have fallen to players you know, playing positive shots and then making a mistake. You know, Barber, for example, cutting at, at Will Jacks and Jack Leach taking the, the catch at backward point. You know, it was the aggressive shot. Shafiq cutting at Jacks and being caught behind by Pope. There, there haven't been many wickets in this match where a bowl has come up and got a player out. I suppose you could say Leach getting Azar out was, was one of those where he just pinned him on the back foot. Uh, you know that was the bowler making, you know, sort of making something happen. A bit of batsman error as well, and Shaquille had a, you know, Shaquille was caught behind having a go at, at Robinson. You you do need the the batters to be complicit if you want to st- stick in. It's not easy getting someone out. I must say a, a, another huge clap to Baba Azam. What a player he is, because uh, he he came in and it, well, it wasn't a crisis. Obviously, it was two hundred odd for for two, but. He came in and he just looked at ease straight away and he just makes run scoring look so graceful and and so enjoyable. Uh, and he's, he's just a, such a clean striker with the ball and a beautifully easy move. He glides around the crease and it's just, it's just beautiful to watch. It must be, you know, the, the mentality of being able to bat... The number of times you've had to come in when the other team have scored five or six hundred and you're having to kind of create a rear guard and it doesn't seem to flummox him at all. He's got this incredible composure in any situation, in any format. Remarkable. I guess you just get born with something like that. I mean, I often used to ask Alistair Cook about his his countenance at the crease and where it came from. And he just sort of said, well, I had it naturally, really. Just just some people have this ability to, to get into this bubble. I mean, Joe Root's another one, isn't he? They just managed to get into this, this sort of... Uh, I, I don't know, it's like a, a, a sort of encasement, a cave of their own, and almost like everything else outside it is, is irrelevant. They just can, can do it, everything at their own tempo and... Nothing seems to affect them. I, I must say, with, with Barber today, I just thought he was nailed on for 100. I, I, I mean, I did say it on the radio. I just sort of punted out there at lunchtime saying, you know, he was about 30, not out. I said, is there anything more inevitable than a Barber 100? I mean, that, I mean, that was, you know, it's a ridiculous thing to say in a way. He still needs 70 more runs to win, but he did look so much in control, so untroubled by England's attack on that surface. You just thought, you know, there's an inevitability about it. And actually, it was a surprise when he got out because you, you thought not only was he on for 100, he, he looked good for 200 and he, he chopped it. Jackson and Leach took the catch, and that was the that was the wicket that just opened the way for England, and and gave them some belief as well. And they picked up two more wickets before the close of play. Yeah, I mean the crowd came to watch him today. There was <laughs> when the second wicket fell, there was a sort of 
a sort of a cheer from the crowd. You think, hold on a second, you know, why are you cheering a Pakistan wicket? But of course, you know, it's the same thing with when Kohli comes out to bat. It's the anticipation of Barbara Zam uh, walking out to the middle. It seems a bit tough on the bat who's, you know, who's just got out. I mean, that was Imam actually for 121. So the, you know, there was a there was some applause for him, but there was also that sense of anticipation that oh, you know, Barbara's next. You know, it's Saturday, big crowd in, and it was the biggest crowd of the match today. Enthusiastic. Uh, Pakistan support and, you know, and they they would have gone home pretty happy I think having seen a decent day's test cricket runs for Pakistan but also a contest which we didn't really have on the first day at all it was all one-sided and Pakistan were just blown away but today was a real contest good tough hard-fought test match cricket and Pakistan you know they dealt out some blows and England were able to deal some blows out towards the end and, and just take take a grip yeah, of the I, game. I think watching Baba bat must be a bit like if you're a, a Pakistani fan especially it must be a bit like watching a a, a real grand master creating a, a painting because there's these beautiful brush strokes all the time in all all sides of the wicket and colorful style it's like watching a you know an art. It is like watching an artist at work, I suppose. Without wanting to sound pretentious, a sort of Renoir or a a Monet or something, rather than yeah, you are that's you sounding are, a bit pretentious. <laughs> rather than a <laughs> rather than a Kevin Peterson Picasso. Uh, actually, uh, I, I only mentioned that partly because I remember once uh, doing some drawing on the screen during the Channel Four years, and it was on a Sunday. Uh, during a sort of rather dead period of play, and I was trying to illustrate something by drawing on the screen in my analyst position, and the pen for the telestrator got stuck. So all this drawing went all over the screen, like it's like sort of a child's scribble. It looked awful. And as I handed back to Richie Benno, I, I said back to Richie, and I apologise for my drawing today. And Richie said, you know, in, in his inimitable way, well, don't worry, Simon, that was a fascinating piece of, of analysis. And Picasso used to struggle sometimes on Sundays. So I suppose <laughs> I had to bring Picasso into this conversation. But uh, I mean, Baba, absolutely yeah. magnificent. And as you say, ridiculously, uh, he, he looked furious when he was out for 136. No, I mean, he was looking at, you know, probably 300, in, in, in fact, because it, it had that written all over it. And just credit to England for, you know, sticking at it and you know, a couple of new bowlers we haven't seen before. Well, certainly Will Jacks anyway. Uh, thought he did pretty well, actually, to, to keep going and, and picked up three wickets in the end. Yeah, he, he did. Just go back to the Baba for a moment before we talk about uh, Will Jacks. Do, do you think, actually, uh, it, it was just a bit too easy for him on this surface? That actually it would be better to have a, you know, a tougher challenge for him. I mean, we've talked about the the ease of the pitch. I mean, what I'm, the point I'm making, I think, is that you know, on a on a pitch like this, a hundred for Baba Azam just feels, you know, what he should score. I know that sounds sort of slightly ridiculous, but he's such a good player, and the, the, the conditions are so benign, and it does look for for such a long way out that he was going to score 100. Actually, do you want players like that just to be tested a little bit more, to show, almost to show off their skills? Well, I think also that players get more satisfaction when the conditions are not in their favour. You know, the, the, There's pressure, isn't there, when you've got to go out and make runs on a pitch which is, is, is just printed for runs. It, it, it just runs for the taking there. So, in a way, it isn't as satisfying to, to hit, thread the ball through for boundaries on that track. And Look at the, the look at the scores. Both sides top sixes. The only 
the lowest score in those 12 batsmen is Joe Root's 23. <laughs> uh, there have been seven hundreds in the game. Eight is the world record, as our, our great friend, the statistician from the World's Best Cricket Club, Pushka, told us yesterday. Two different occasions when eight hundreds were scored in a test match, one at St John's in Antigua and the other one in Colombo. So just you just don't get the same satisfaction from from scoring runs in the in these circumstances whereas of course for bowlers you do you get enormous satisfaction from just a couple of wickets yeah definitely and uh, yeah you could see the delight yeah, for will jacks today that that first wicket of course your first test wicket is a great moment and uh, you know he was trying something as well he was bowling wide of off stump getting shafiq to play away from his body and he just he went for the cut shot on this occasion and, and, and poked at the catch uh, behind the stumps. And then, you know, there were wickets late on as well. The last one where he, he tempted Nassim to go down the ground. I don't think it takes a lot of tempting Nassim. He likes to play his shots. He's a bit of a block bash uh, merchant in at number eight. And the other, you know, to get rid of Baba. I mean, what, you know, what a great day that is to, okay, Baba, this man who was looking total control and Will Jacks managed to find a mistake from, the, from a great player and, and Jack Leach uh, took another catch and Barber out for a 136. So it's not a bad day, is it? For, not a bad test day for, for Jacks. I mean, his figures are three for 132 from 33 overs, but it is that sort of surface. What, what, what did you make of him? I mean, what, what's your impression of him? I mean, he is a sort of, you know, a youngish off spinner. He hasn't bowled that much in first-class cricket. They, you know, they, they're sort of turning him in, aren't they, into a an off spinner, uh, you know, he's, he's primarily a batter and a belligerent, belligerent and attacking, you know, attacking player, you know, devastating in, in, in white ball cricket. But what, what did you make of his bowling? I thought a lot of Moen Ali when I was watching him, actually, uh, not because he, he bowls like Moen Ali, but because he's obviously got natural ability as an off spinner. And Moen was someone who really was a batsman who was made into a bowler because, or made into an all-rounder because of uh, of his natural skills as a bowler. The, the fact that he had a nice fluent action, he had a natural ability to turn the ball, he obviously was quite consistent. And you want to see the raw material of the action first. And R Will Jacks has got a good action. I, I, I As I probably said uh, too, too many times, his his bowling arm is slightly beyond the vertical and that just inhibits the ability to get the ball to to curve away Dom Bess suffers from that even more which is why he's had trouble really taxing the best players in, in test cricket but but his arm his arm is is okay it's not too far beyond the vertical and he's he's getting enough height from his delivery he's got a nice high action he stands tall some spinners you'll see i mean for example matt parkinson the leg spinner who played a little bit in the, the one day series in the, in the summer he collapses at the crease so he bowls from a very low position whereas jacks you, you feel bowls on top of his front leg his lung, his leg is fairly taut as he lets go of it that means he's getting a bit of bounce and possibly a bit of overspin as well and he definitely gets bounce because of his high action uh, which which is, it, it gives him a slight advantage over Jack Leach, actually. At the moment, I think he's a little bit on the slow side and he needs to, to work on being able to visit through a little quicker. It'd be worth studying someone like Ravi Ashwin for how he varies his pace a, a bit more. But the other thing I really liked about him was he's prepared to bowl outside off stump and that's something that Moen also does. It, it, going for sort of both sides, if you like, attacking both edges of the bat, 
not only trying to turn the ball back towards the stumps to a right-hander, but also using that angle to possibly beat the outside edge. And he did a couple of times, and he got two wickets on the offside, one caught behind, Abdullah Shafiq, and one, as you say, Baba Azam called at backward point. That's by virtue of that line he was bowling just outside our stump. It's the kind of line that Shane Warne always campaigned for Nathan Lyon to bowl. And uh, he said, aim at the wicketkeeper's right foot to the right-handers and draw the batsman out of his comfort zone rather than just allowing him to sort of constantly work the ball off the stumps through the leg side. Nathan Lyon doesn't still do that quite enough, but I think Jacks could. So there's a lot of good things to work with there, only a very uh, raw version at the moment and not much credibility in first-class cricket, but... It's something to work with, definitely. And of course, he yep. if he can score 26 ball hundreds in practice matches or T20, then he's going to have some quite useful assets to work with. Yeah, it's not it's not a bad thing to have in your locker, that is it. And you know, if he can work on his bowling, then it makes him a, a huge asset. He's only, he came into this series having taken 21 first class wickets, and, and you know, it's it's only really this season that he's been sort of pushed to the fore as an off spinner. And sort of, you know, sorry, sort of made him take responsibility and, and bowl some off spinning overs. Jack Leach is England's main spinner, 42 overs, five maidens, uh, two for 160, going at that three point. Eight one uh, runs per over. Picked up a couple of wickets. Imam really, I mean, holding out towards long on. Uh, a bit frustrated with himself. I spoke to him afterwards. And the other wicket for uh, Leach today. Well, was that it? Was the wicket that you know he he sort of won as a bowler, didn't he? Just getting one to straighten a fraction, pinning uh, Azarali out for twenty seven. You know, not a bad wicket to get. No, and given the new ball as well, which was the second new ball, yeah. which was a good idea by by England. Stokes, I think, had a fabulous day as captain. Just changing the bowling round, changing the field settings, trying to tantalise and tease the batsman to make mistakes. I, I think he he's, he's just got so much imagination. He's not going to always get it right. There will be certain things he, he does wrong, but in the main, he's trying. And he's actually, I, I think also, the, the important thing about Stokes is he's always smiling. Even when the batsman tongs it over the top for six, you know, with the field kept in, trying to tempt him to do it again, he's enjoying the challenge. And obviously relishing the the, the fun of, uh, you know, captaining this team. And I just love the way his reaction when a wicket falls late in the day, like the catch he took off Jimmy Anderson uh, to to get rid of the Mohamed Rizwan, you know, dangerous player. Yeah. Anderson going round the wicket, trying new tricks, teaching an old dog new tricks, trying round the wicket in swingers. And Mohamed Rizwan just clipping it to short mid-wicket slightly in the air Stokes takes the catch throws it up as if he's won the World Cup I mean uh, fantastic enthusiasm really late on in the day Leach I think is improving you know he's not a a brilliant left arm spinner but he's never going to let anybody down and I I, I like the way that now he's prepared to go round and over the wicket and try different angles he's happy to keep his, his men in even if he gets hit over the top to try and tempt the batsman into doing it again he's happy to willing to take the, the second new ball which is obviously unconventional for a spinner so you know he's never going to run through a side unless it's an absolute bunsen burner but but he, he's he's a steady eddy Now, Yoz, uh, just talking about England's creativity and Jack Leach, you've got a, 
a, you know, a balding pate, haven't you? And I've got, I'm sort of going that way uh, as well. Uh, what would you say if one of your uh, players, I don't know, Tuffers or something like that, or I don't, it wouldn't be Mike Breed exactly. Well, although Mike Breed used to think out of the box, didn't he? Came up uh, with the ball and and rubbed it on your bald head, your sweaty bald head, to you know try to you know work on the ball which is what they did today you're allowed to use sweat on the ball but you're not allowed to use saliva would you be a would you have been a willing victim as you know you the, the clips are out there on social media um what what would you have done if that had happened to you well, well usually the the <laughs> people who were doing it would be much bigger than me so i wouldn't be able to say anything but actually i used to do it myself so uh, it, it's the best way of getting shine on the ball you know you don't what, want your to get bald it head? from the, Definitely, because it, it is the sweatiest bit apart from your armpits. And if you do use your armpits, then the ball stinks. So it's much better <laughs> to use your forehead. And there's a lot of sweat there to work with, in my case and Jack Leach's case. So it was great. I never understood the saliva thing, actually. I, I, it, it, I've hardly ever used saliva to, to, to shine the ball because sweat is much more useful, much better. So, so actually, well done to England. A yeah. great idea. Joe Root, who was, who was doing, he was talking about it afterwards. Yeah, he said, you know, well, there's plenty of sweat there. He said, so that, yeah, why not? Why not use it? And it, I suppose it was it was a funny moment in the day, and it was picked up, you know, by all the cameras, and you know, it's been picked up on on social media. But yeah, I suppose it's just a one very small aspect of England's creativity. I I agree with you. Stokes was his mind was he must be absolutely shattered tonight because his, his mind was ticking all day, and he was making constant changes. And the other thing as well, I think when you're making constant changes, you need the fielders to be a alert don't you need them to be looking at the captain you know come here come there you know move in a bit go out a bit and just change your position a bit and that was that was going on throughout the day and it was a real really noticeable aspect of, of England's tactics I think you know they knew didn't they when they came out here you, you cannot be conventional you're going to have to do different things to try to get wickets and you know there were times you would you were saying why bother with a slip and a gully uh, you know there has not been a a slip catch in the match so far. Uh, there has not been a gully catch in the match so far. But you know what there has been uh, are players playing a miscuing attacking shots. So you know exactly at last there was a wicket, you know, short mid wicket, and that Stokes catch that you mentioned to to get rid of, of Rizwan. So yeah, it's it's a a pitch for not quite out of the box thinking, but for, for just trying so much. Uh, because mm. if you if you just stick in conventional pattern, you you won't get anything. Out. You won't force the the batter to do something different. In fact, uh, one more little thing about Stokes is they could have gone off for bad light earlier than they did if he kept the seamers going. Mm. And you know when you've been out there for seventy odd overs and it's been pretty hard going, the bowlers would be, oh, can we get off? You know, but. Rather than take that easy option, he kept the spinner on at both ends, so they had another couple of overs, and it picked up another wicket, mm. that that slog into the leg side. So, again, it's just being seeing the positive in everything and, and trying to be as imaginative as possible has, has worked brilliantly for England. Now, we've got to just... Well, Gorn, you've got one more point to make about the game. Well, I was going to say, uh, there were 85 overs today, actually, so we had the longest day in terms of playing... Uh, time today we will get the extra quarter of an hour tomorrow so you know there, there, you know there's there's time left in the match uh, they came off what just a bit later today it was a much clearer day but you know, what we find is I think is if, if there's a bit of haze around then you, you're going to come off earlier for bad light so what we what we should do Yoz before the for your next point is is just look at the last two days and some of the 
you know, potential scenarios for where this game could go. Um, I said that Pakistan are 158 behind. They've got three wickets left. Not much to come, really, but it's not easy to prize players out. Uh, Joe Root saying England will be positive. So what? What doing? How do England approach it? What, what are the, some of the equations we're looking at? I mean, it, if I offered you uh, it, Pakistan's last three wickets for sixty, would, would you take that? So Not a lead of a hundred. So a lead yeah. of a hundred. Say bef- before right. before lunch, and then mm-hmm. just just put. They'd the have foot to get and put the foot down. They'd have to get two fifty in forty overs, something like that. Which would lay, leave you what thirty overs in the day, maybe? Probably not uh, as much as that. Might not be as much maybe as that. Yeah. Twenty-five to thirty overs. Yeah. I mean, they're going to need one hundred and twenty-five overs to take the ten wickets, aren't they? Would you would have thought so, or at least over a hundred overs anyway. Mm. So th- they need to leave themselves a hundred overs, which means they need to get in the field again with a minimum of twenty overs left, twenty-five overs left in the day tomorrow. So that means, you know, declaring if they could get 250 off 40 overs, which of course they could, we know that, then that probably would be ideal. They'd probably try and get it in less, I guess. So, yeah, it's it's possible. The the difficulty will be bowling Pakistan out second time, for sure, because it doesn't look like the pitch is going to break up. No, so, so, okay, so what about, would, would you leave, I mean, would, I was talking to Vic about this this evening, you know, would you leave 350 off 100 overs? Yeah, or, or, or is that, absolutely. You, you Why think, not? Well, do you, know, do you yeah. think Pakistan might just knock those off? I don't actually think they would knock them off easily, no. Uh, they, they don't have the same, I think, actually, the best way of taking wickets, as you pointed out yourself, yeah. is to encourage the batsman to be positive. So that's the only way you're going to get people out. If you want to try and bowl people out conventionally, it's not going to work. So you've got to try and get them taking risks and being positive. So to actually ha- you know, dangle the carrot of a victory, 350 and 100 overs, is probably the best way that England could also win. Yeah. So, so, so what is, how did Pakistan approach it in the morning then? Do they really try to get as many really, as they can I, I mean, know I know I get as many as you can but do they do they say right we're just going to be ultra defensive we're just going to take time out of the game I know you look to score a bit you know knock the ball around are they looking to really take time out of the game do they sense the danger do you think in this test match of having to bat the whole of the last day to to save the game or, or are they thinking well this England side is you know quite aggressive they might actually just give us a, a little peep at victory ourselves mm, yeah I think you've just got to play uh, your natural game uh, for, for the Pakistan lower order. Pick up as many as they can. If they get 60 runs, that's a, that's a bonus, I think, really, with the, the quality of the last three. So I think that's that, that, that's the limit of their expectations, really. And if they can take an hour doing that, then it gives both sides a, a, a possible chance of victory. It's exciting. Yeah. yeah, it, it, yeah. You know, or more exciting than it looked two days ago, anyway. Yeah, I, I agree. The so game on, so isn't tell it? us so tell us about your uh, tell us quickly about your evening then. Come on. You went to the British High Commission. Any darts or any snooker? Well, there was there, I didn't play snooker, but there was some snooker on offer. It, yeah, we well we we went we had sort of drinks and there were pizza and and, and various uh, you know other bits of food I'm not quite sure uh, what some of it was but um, it was mainly it was mainly sort of pizza and drinks evening it was it was very relaxed very very sociable uh, there was darts any on. chicken any any chicken well I think the chicken was on some of the pizzas but fortunately I didn't have to eat the chicken <laughs> so I think there was a bit of chicken knocking around but it hadn't, it, the, the good thing was it hadn't been mixed in with the vegetable pizzas or the vegetarian pizzas that was the big bonus of the night um, actually, I actually uh, the football was 
goggles on. I actually ended up speaking a, um, a lot about uh, television, cricket coverage on the television, actually, with Simon Wheeler, who, who you will know. He's a TV director. He's mm. the TV director out here. And so we, yeah, we had a chance to talk about yeah, t- TV commentary and, and, and trying to display the game, or, you know, portray the game on, on television. So, you know, he was t- talking about lots of, th- you know, he, he was talking about, you know, some of the commentators and what he looks for in a commentator. I'm not sorry, I wasn't trying to get a job with him or anything like that. It was just talk, we were just talking shop, really. So that was, you know, that was a, uh, an interesting aspect of the evening. So yeah, you go you go to a social occasion, but actually you end up talking about your job, don't you? Did you work with Simon? Actually, the, yes, no, I have. He he was at IMG a, a long time ago. He gave me quite a few ideas actually. Mm. If you're looking at the coverage, it, he cuts away to the tea pal tea interval and things like that quite a bit, doesn't he? Which is obviously part of the the commercial arrangements for for the coverage. I don't Sky's commentary has been pretty good. Um, actually, there was a very interesting passage today listening to Wacker Eunice uh, talking about reverse swing with with Michael Atherton and actually saying the same things as I said on the podcast yesterday that you need to drop your hand slightly to get the best results for reverse swing. You don't need your hand right bolt upright. You need to actually almost create a slightly slingy slingy type of action and what Wacker also said which I thought was interesting was you go closer to the stumps as a right arm bowler and almost try and sling it outside the off stump so that it it starts to curve away from the right-handed batsman and then ducks in at the last moment and that's what makes the the, 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 the slingier reverse swing bowlers like him like Sean Tate like Mitchell Stark even more effective. Yeah, just on the sort of technical side of, of commentating on TV, one, one observation I have, and having done it a bit, I, I did some of the BT coverage in Australia and also the, the BBC highlights, is the monitor, which, you're, which Simon says, you, for a commentator, you always got to be watching the monitor. That's your that's your main focus, rather than look up and see what's happening on the field. That's you know when when there's a run out chance or when the ball goes out, out, out into the deep. But I. I think one thing that happens on the the monitors are quite small in commentary boxes, and everyone at home is watching on a big these days. Generally speaking, is watching on a big HD screen, and actually you almost get a better view. At, this seems really perverse, but you almost get a better view at home of the cricket than you do watching on a on a little monitor in the commentary box. I know you've got the big. Well, canvas. listen, no, you're absolutely right, and we, we've always complained as commentators about the standard of the monitors because they're cheap and rubbish and. <laughs> You can hardly see the picture half the time because the sun's glaring in through the window and they definitely aren't high definition screens or wide enough or big enough. So that's a totally valid criticism. It's stupid, really, because the commentators should be seeing the best pictures that you can get. Uh, Otherwise, they don't know what the viewer at home is seeing, do they, really? Yeah, it's, it's a weird thing. It might be, it might surprise listeners actually to, to think actually that you, you've probably got a better view watching your HD screen at home in your in your lounge or whatever up on the wall, whatever people have got. Not everyone will have a you know big HD screen, but some people will, you know, to watch the cricket and you get a you know you get a fabulous view, don't you? I think it's more for things like LBWs. You know, is it in line? Is it just outside the line? Those, those sort of things. I think you know when you're watching at home, you can you can almost make an instantaneous decision when you're at the ground. I mean, you I mean it never you sort of sometimes. Uh, sort of, um, fudge it a bit, don't you, as a commentator? You say that's close, or, you know. Whereas I think at home you go, that's out, that's not out. Um, and it, anyway, it's just an interesting observation, something I found uh, doing some TV uh, commentary. You actually, you might actually be better off sitting in your sitting in your front room doing it. Anyway, Yoz. Okay, so three days have gone. Uh, final question to you: What percentage chance do you think of a positive result in this game? Are you still big on the draw, or you do you think there's a 
you think as a, an opening for, for, I mean, more for England probably than Pakistan, but actually if England are prepared to gamble, uh, Brendan Cullum said, you know, we're prepared to lose, to try to win. Um, you know, perhaps there is an opening for Pakistan as well. How, how do you see it? I think, I think that the most likely result, the most likely end product is Pakistan 280 for six at the end of the game. So uh, a 25% chance of a positive result and a 75% likelihood of a draw. Yeah. What about, what about you? Yeah, I think something similar. I think there's a ch- there is a chance, but I think I still, you know, I, I still want to be on the draw, really. I think uh, I don't want it to be a draw. I don't want to be, have an exciting finish to the game. I mean, I think the, the, the one point is, is that it looked like being quite a sort of attritional game. And now that you, you can see possibilities. And I think that just makes it more interesting for everybody watching, listening, turning up to the ground, playing as well, probably. You've got something to really fight for in the last two days of the match. Well, we'll know in 24 hours' time, and we'll speak to you then. Thanks for listening. Sports Social Podcast Network.